0: More Than Conquerors is supported by the generous gifts of listeners like you. You can find us online by going to livingwordchurch.org. Because knowing God and not just merely knowing about God is so fundamental to every Christian's walk of peace and prosperity on this earth, Pastor Ray has taught this series several times and takes the prophet Daniel's message of, "...the people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits very seriously." At the conclusion of these 10 days of deep study, listeners will see the Father's love in a whole new light, illustrating the very heart of the Father and giving us a wonderful picture of His true nature, which among other wonderful attributes includes generosity, compassion, mercy, intimacy, forgiveness, understanding, and a Father's love that's always constant, unconditional, and to be counted on. You will probably never hear a message on the Father's nature like this ever again, so Pastor encourages you not to miss even one day of instruction. Once again, here's Pastor on Attributes of Our Heavenly Father.
1: The people who know their God are going to be strong. In other words, their confidence in God is not going to wane or dissipate because you or I are going through a difficult time or situation. The people who know their God are going to be and remain and maintain strength in who God is and who they are in God. And they will ultimately carry out great exploits or do great things in the kingdom of God, for God, and even in their own personal lives. It's important to know who God is and to understand the attributes of the living God. So we started our little study and we'll continue on today. And the very first attribute that we talked about about the the Father is that, number one, He is the loving Father. You see, let me me try to explain it this way. God does not possess love. See, now for some of you, you say, what do you mean God doesn't possess love? God does not possess love. He is love. If you are something, you don't possess it. You are it. He is love. He doesn't just possess it. He is a complete love demonstration to humanity. So if you want to know, know love, you've got to know God. But there, there are so many people that know God but don't really understand the fullness of God's love. God's love, let me, let me, let me say this because this is so important. God's love is not dependent upon my performance or upon my good behavior. See, I, I, I use this illustration this morning. When I grew up, I grew up in the Catholic faith as a young boy. I went to Catholic school. I'm one of those who survived Catholic school, <laughs> you know. And uh, I see there are some others here. Hallelujah! You know, if, you, if you, the only one who can understand this is one who's been through Catholic school. But anyway, I survived Catholic school. But in Catholic school, where I was, where I went, I didn't hear a whole lot about the love of God. I heard more about the, you know, the fear of God. And they used that to kind of keep us in line and keep us under control, I guess. That was their t- tactic. But in doing so, I, I really did. I knew that God loved me, but I thought that God's love for me was based upon my behavior or my performance. So, you know, when I looked at my own life, I looked at it sort of like this. If I did good, I did well, and I had good behavior, God smiled upon me. But when I didn't, God frowned upon me. i come to learn from the scriptures that no matter whether your behavior is good or bad up or down whether your performance is good or not so good god never stops smiling upon you god's love is constant it never changes it never varies god could never stop loving you because he is love so if you're gonna if you're gonna be strong and do great things in life you're gonna have to build it upon this foundation that no matter what, because a- along the course of life, there are gonna be some trip-ups. Sometimes my behavior is not what it should be. Sometimes I surprise myself, especially when I'm driving down the road and somebody, you know, cuts me off or veers into my lane and, and I'm not thinking all of a sudden, you know, I think, oh, that stupid jerk. I'm like, whoa, wait a minute, that could be, that could be somebody from Living Word. <laughs> I better be careful how I react and what I say, you know? Uh, even out in the, in, in the community, you know, my face is all over the place. People know me. I've been around a long time now. You know, I hope I'm around a lot longer, too. But I've been around a long time. And, and, uh, and uh, you know, people look at me out in the community. I've got to be on my best behavior. I've seen people checking me out. And I don't know if they're checking me out because I'm so good looking or because they <laughs> recognize <laughs> they recognize me from television. But, you know, from the TV commercials. So I have to be on my best behavior. But sometimes I'm not. I'm going to be honest with you. How many of you were on good behavior all week long today? All week long this week? Anybody here make a mistake this week? Anybody blow it this week? All right, the rest of you are all lying, so now you can raise your hand too. Right? But you see, God's love for me is not based upon my performance or my good behavior. God's love for me is an established thing that never changes and it never varies. God will love me forever. Now, this doesn't give me, you know, the, the free, uh, the right to just live my life sloppily and do whatever I want to do and say, well, God loves me so. Well, that would be thumbing your nose at the goodness uh, and the grace of God. And you wouldn't want to live in that condition, that place, because even though God loves you, ultimately, that's going to bring you down, that kind of attitude. Because that's going to draw you further and further away from God. Does everybody understand that? But the very first thing we need to understand is that God is love. You know, in my beginning days, I think I shared this, I don't know, with with a group, but I've always been a faith teacher and I love to teach about faith. And someone once brought it to my attention and said, you know, before a person can really understand faith, they need to understand the love of God. And I I didn't like it when I heard it, you know, but I thought, you know what, I think think there's something very, very true about that. How can a person put trust, because that's what faith is, it's trust, in a God whom they're not even sure loves them. They're not even confident or understand the love that God has for them. How could they put faith in them? How can they put trust? So the very, very first foundation of growing a faith walk is really understanding and meditating on how much God loves you. Like I've heard people say, you know, well, I've disappointed God. Well, I understand where that comes from, and I understand that we can have that feeling that we've disappointed God. But really the bottom line to it is I don't. you can never disappoint God to the place where he would stop loving you. You could never disappoint God to the place where he would ever give up on you. You can never disappoint God where He would ever turn away from you. Now, often our, you know, our lives and are, are such that we do make some mistakes and we do do some things. But, but that kind of leads us to the second thing that we talked about. He's not only a loving Father, but He's a forgiving Father. There's nothing you could or I could ever do or ever do that would cause the Father to ever not forgive me. As a matter of fact, it's, you know, what, what, what you need to understand is when you feel guilty about something that you've done, that means that your heart is still pliable and soft in the presence of God that means that you're, you, you know you know when you're when you're really in trouble and it's not with God it's with yourself because when you, you when you do those things that are against god's word or his will or his ways, you really open yourself up to the attack of the devil and God really can't do anything about it but but, you, but, but when your heart is pliable when you when you've done something when you 've sinned or you 've made a mistake and you feel sorry for that you feel a sense of guilt or you feel a sense of shame or you feel i made a mistake and you know you made a mistake you're still in a very very good place because you you are you are sensing and feeling the conviction of the spirit within you and therefore you're you're still in see see it's not that we would ever not make a mistake what it is is that when we make a mistake we need to know that the father is a forgiving father all we've got to do is turn to him go to him confess our sin and the minute we confess our sin, according to the scripture, we, we read it, he takes it, tosses it behind his back, falls into the sea of his forgetfulness, never to be remen, uh, reminded of it or to be remembered ever again. That's the awesome forgiving, forgiveness of the father that we have. Oftentimes what happens is that we may understand in concept that God is a forgiving father, but we have not yet come to the place where we know that we know that we know that he is a forgiving father. Because many, many of you may be here today, are still living under the guilt and the shame of things of the past that you did. And you cannot get over that place or through that place. And therefore, it holds you captive and it holds you in bondage. Remember our, our, our scripture, the people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. Sometimes the reason why some people can't get ahead why people can't get, you know, see the great exploits working in their life is because they have been weakened by some of the sins and the activities of their life. And because they don't know and understand and perceive the God who is the forgiving, the loving, forgiving father, those things have held them captive and held them in bondage and really saps the strength, the spiritual strength out of them when all they've got to do is understand that God's going to forgive you. If you are sorry for it, you turn to the Father the minute you confess that sin is the minute that he forget takes that sin, tosses it over his back, falls in the sea of his forgetfulness, never to be remembered by God. He absolves you of that sin the minute you confess that sin. Amen. But often, people are held in bondage because we keep thinking, how could I have done that? How could I have thought that thought? How could I have had that activity in my life? And we live. Now, granted, we need to learn from our mistakes with the hopes that we won't make them again. We have to learn from some of these things, but as far as God is concerned, the minute you are sorry for that sin and the minute you confess that sin is the minute that that sin is forgiven and and the guilt and the shame should go with it. But you see, if you're held captive to guilt and shame, it's going to suck the strength out of you. You're not going to be able to be strong. You're going to be weak. And the Bible didn't say that the people who know their God shall be weak and carry out great, great exploits. It says the people who know Who know are going to be strong you're going to be strong in the time of temptation you're going to be strong in the time of failure you're going to be strong in the time of difficulty you're going to be strong in the time of adversity because you know you're God you know that when I make a mistake he is a forgiving father if I know that I've made a mistake and I I have a soft heart and confess that thing I am forgiven and the shame and the guilt and all of that should go out the window with it because you know what I found that not one human being on this earth is perfect Even though we try to do our best, we often, often make mistakes and fall short. Now, we can't live there. We can't use that as an excuse to keep on going on in sinful activity and things that we know are not right. But we do understand that when we make a mistake, and even if we're going through a time of weakness, going through a difficult season, uh, you know, maybe we've been bound up by something... Well, we need to know in that time that no matter what it is, that God is a forgiving father. He will never, I've seen too many people run from God when they make mistakes, run away from God when they say run away from the house of God if they've gotten involved in in some sinful activity or something. But see, it goes to to prove my point that people know about God, but they don't know their God. If you know the love and the forgiveness of your father, in the time of your difficulty, in the time of your temptation, in the time of your sin, you will run to the Father. Unfortunately, you know, a lot of us get this idea because so many Christians, so many believers are not as forgiving as the Father is. And we hold people captive to their sins of the past and, you know, whatever they've done. And we have a hard time forgiving. And The reason why we, now listen, the reason why you have a hard time forgiving others is because you don't understand the forgiveness of God. And often, people who have a hard time forgiving others is because they can't forgive themselves or receive the forgiveness of God for the things they've done, and they feel guilty and they feel ashamed, and they feel that others—you know—that old saying, "Misery loves company." That's right. But you see, if we all come to the understanding that God is a forgiving God, doesn't matter what I've done, doesn't matter where I've been, doesn't matter what my past is, doesn't—if if I have repented and asked God's forgiveness and I know him to be the forgiving father and the minute that I repent and I ask God's forgiveness uh, from, the, from a truthful position, from a heart that's been grieved by that activity is the minute that God forgives me that sin, takes it according to the word, casts it behind his back, falls into the sea of his forgetfulness never to be remembered ever again. You see, the people who know their God are going to maintain their walk of strength even when they fail. Even when they make mistakes. Even when their behavior is not the way it should be. Even when their performance is not what it should be. The people who know their God, they know that God is a loving and forgiving father. Can I get a better amen than that? We talked about the third point, which was that he is an intimate father. He knows us intimately. He knows every hair in your head and everyone that went down the drain this morning when you took a shower. He knows everything about you better than you know about yourself. He, there's nothing. Do you think that what's going on in your life or what happened in your life, or do you think that caught God by surprise? God knows us intimately, and he desires an intimate relationship. He desires you and I to have an intimate relationship with him because he loves us intimately. He says, every hair on your head, uh, he says, you are the, the apple of his eye. I mean, these verses are, are so awesome and so powerful. It describes how much the Father wants intimacy, so much so that he invites us to call him Abba Father, not just Father God, but Abba. And for those of you that are just plugging in that word, Abba is, could be translated into our modern-day Daddy or even better, Papa. And he invites us. Why? Because he, he, he wants to be intimately involved with us and he wants us to be intimately involved with him. Because he's an intimate god he knows everything about us one one verse says that even before you uttered the prayer he already had an answer on its way back to you that's how intimate he knows exactly what you're going to say before you say it many of you that are married you know that you have that experience in your relationship you can just look at each other you know exactly what he's thinking you know exactly what she's going to say you don't even have to say why because there's intimacy. And that intimacy brings this understanding of how one's going to react or what one's going to say. God knows us intimately. And yeah. you you and I have to have confidence in the fact that He is a loving, forgiving, and extremely intimate God. That, yeah. gi- that gives me great. See, when things aren't going right and things aren't. Are, see, you can go into the presence of the Lord and and, and know that God he is such an intimate God that he knows the things you're feeling he knows the hurts that you're enduring he knows the disappointments that you're going through. He knows everything about you even better than you know yourself I don't know about you but that gives me great comfort that, that I serve and we serve a God who knows me that well. He knows me better than I know myself and here here's the upshot He knows everything about me and he still chooses to love me. He still chooses to love me. That gives me great hope. See, some of you here, you don't look so lovely this morning, but God still loves you. You look mean, but God still loves you. You may feel mean, but God still loves you. You see, if you're his child, he still loves you. And there's nothing you could do to ever stop God's love for you or for me. I don't bet you, but that gives me great comfort and great confidence. How many of you would agree with me? Give me a better amen than that. So today, for whatever time we have left this morning, I want to talk about the fourth point, which is that he is a merciful father, a merciful father. God has great and awesome mercy. And I see now with humans, we're not very, very merciful. Would you agree? Humans by nature are not merciful. I mean, um, you know, you've heard people, you you've maybe even thought this and somebody got into trouble because of something they didn't you say, ah, they got what they deserve. Good for them. Thank God that God don't think that way about you and me. Thank God that He is unmerciful, because humans are not merciful, you know. Or, or, you know, you think in your mind sometimes, oh, you'll get yours, or you wait till you wait till I get my chance. I'm going to get back at you for what you've done. See, humans are not merciful. But God is a very, very merciful father. Can I get a better amen than that? Not so with God. Psalm 106 says this is Praise the Lord. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. What's the Lord? Good. Good. See, some of you don't believe it. This side of it. The Lord is what? Good. Good. On this side, the Lord is good. good. You need to to tell yourself the Lord is good. The Lord is not bad. He's good. And only good comes from the Lord. He said, oh, thanks be to the Lord, for He is good. Now listen, for His mercy endures forever. In other words, He doesn't ever lose His patience with you or with me. His mercy, His patience is with us and He's forever extending His mercy to you and to me. I don't know about you, but I need the mercy of God every day in my life. Every day I need the mercy of God in some way because again, the actions of my life, the thoughts of my mind, the activity, whatever it be, sometimes God, I thank You that You are a merciful God. I thank You for putting up with me. Amen. How many? See, you all didn't say amen. You all need to say amen because God's putting up with you too. Amen. Whether you think you're so lovely and wonderful, God is still putting up with you because you're not as lovely and wonderful as you think you are. Every day, see, He is a merciful. His mercy endures forever. His mercy is with us forever. So let me, let me try to um, give you a couple of explanations of how mercy works and what mercy is. Very simply said, now, mercy and grace are very closely related. They're like kissing cousins, as you would say. Mercy and grace are very, very similar and very close. But let me, let me give you the, the, uh, the difference here. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. In other words, you, know, you, you did something for which you should have received punishment, but the punishment was withheld. And I'll give you a little analogy in just a minute. That's mercy, not getting what you deserve. Grace, on the other hand, is getting what you don't deserve. In other words, you should have gotten punishment, but you got blessing instead. Let me give you a little illustration. A man commits a crime for which he confesses and uh, sentencing day at the courthouse. And he's, he's guilty about it. He knows that he committed this crime. And he goes to the courtroom and the judge, you know, thought about it and was gonna deliver the sentence on this day. Court's in session, everybody stands, the judge comes out. Every, uh, the defendant is asked to stand, and sentencing is going to be uh, placed upon this man for his actions. The judge gets up and says, you know, by this code of the law, you committed this and this, and you are guilty, and blah, 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 for which there is, you know, a 20-year sentence in jail. And he says, but I've considered this and reconsidered it, and I've decided that I'm going to just wipe away the sentence, and I'm, I'm just going to let you go free. That's called Mercy. That's called mercy. That's called mercy. In other words, he was guilty. He did it. He should have received the punishment that was connected to the crime. But the mercy of the judge overrode everything and said, it's my choice, my decision, because I'm in charge. It's my court. I'm the judge, and I can do whatever I want to do in my court. And I decided that I'm going to wipe away the penalty. You are free to go. That's mercy. Grace, on the other hand, is as this defendant is walking out free from all of the the penalty of his wrong actions the judge says hey wait a minute he said here's a check for a hundred thousand dollars go start your life over again grace is he got something he didn't deserve he didn't get what he should have gotten and he got something that he shouldn't have gotten that's the difference between mercy and grace and that depicts the nature of our god because you know what really the long and the short of it is if this all depended on me and my goodness and my good performance and my good activity and my perfect chart, and my perfect life, I would have failed a long time ago and I don't deserve anything that God has brought or given to me in my life. Everything that I have and everything that I am and everywhere that I am, yes, it's a work of faith, but it is also a work of God's great mercy because along the way, I've not always acted the way I should have acted. I've not always spoken the way I should have spoken. I've not always thought the way I should have thought. My behavior and my activity have not always been what they should have been to warrant the kind of blessing that I have in my life. Now, how many of you can say, Pastor, I think you're talking to me because I think every single one of us (laughs) here can say. So mercy, mercy withholds the punishment where grace dispenses. Dispenses a blessing that we really didn't deserve, and I, and I know I I know you know. Uh, thank God that we don't have to be perfect in order to receive the blessings of God in our life. Thank thank God that see every other religion that I know of, it's it's man trying to please their God in order to get their God to do something for them. In our, what we believe, our God, it's the flip opposite. It's the total opposite. We're a wretch. We come to God as we are, and he extends his blessing and his hand to us, and he proves and shows himself to be a loving, forgiving, intimate, and very extremely merciful God towards his creation and towards his people. <laughs>